want to say that it's good to be with you once again this evening. We're glad you're here. Hopefully we'll have something to say that you might find useful as you go along. Brother Steve led the song just before we got up here, and I, every time he does, I think of his dad, Lindell. And Lindell was on my bucket list, believe it or not. When you go on a meeting with Lindell Greer, he knows to the grindstone and he wants to go to work. And I, my goal was I'm going to get Lindell to do some sightseeing. <laughs> And finally, on one trip to Massachusetts, I got him to take a disposable camera. <laughs> and so I think of that all the time. I haven't seen Lindell in quite a while, but uh, I think of the days that we run around together quite a bit. I want to talk to you about uh, Psalms 53, start about verse number one. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. The fool has said... In his heart, there is no God. And I got to thinking about this. And you know what I got to thinking about? The world is offering you something if you will walk away from your God. If you will walk away from this congregation or the congregation you attend regularly, if you'll give up going to church, you'll give up praying, you'll give up reading that Bible, and if you'll give up your Savior... They will give you some stuff. And the world is promising you some things. And I got to thinking about what is it they want me to walk away from this for? You know, being a Christian, there's ups and downs. Being an evangelist, there's ups and downs. Being an elder, there's ups and downs. But I can't imagine anywhere I'd rather be. I'm glad you're here on a Saturday night in Texas. There's a lot of places you could be, I guarantee it. But I'm glad you're here. But the world wants you to walk away. They think that you are foolish for doing what you're doing. You know what we're doing? We're reading an outdated book and trying to apply it to modern man after we sang songs and prayed to an invisible guy in the sky hoping that a dead man will come back again. You ever heard that? Just listen to the news sometime. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're about? But they want you to give up your God and your, your, the going to church and all the things that we love to do. And you know what else you're going to give up when you fall for that? You're going to give up your hope. You better grab all the gusto you can in this life. Now some of you know where that come from. I'm going somewhere with this, so don't, don't shoot me. That's off a beer commercial. You only go around life and once. Oh, by the way, it's out of business. I guess it wasn't a good slogan after all. You only go around once in life. Grab all the gusto you can. You might as well because once you get done here, it's over. There is nothing else. The old preachers used to debate this stuff, whether they bait people whether they had a soul or not. And, they, and the old preachers would accuse the other guys. they say, if you follow him, when you die... You're dead all over like your little dog Rover. <laughs> but they're right. The fool's world, there is no hope. There is no God. And we're going to get into that. In the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the Bible talks about Moses. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. I want you to know, sin comes in all kinds of different packages. Now, sin hasn't changed. 
We do not have anything on the Romans or the ancient Greeks. I assure you of that. And you do not have anything on the ancient Persians and the ancient Babylonians. We just put it in a different suit of clothes. And we think we're better at it than they are. Sin is deceitful, folks. Sin is deceitful. And it, but it's, there's pleasure in it for a while. Now I'll give you a little history. Jim, Brother Jim's giving you a little bit of his history. I come a very different route to get to where I'm at. I was 12 years old, late one night, and I couldn't sleep. My dad come in about 3 o'clock in the morning, and this poor guy's got to get up at 5.15. He goes, son, what's wrong? I said, I think God's calling me to preach. That's, who, that's the kind of people I hung around with. That was church world I was in. I think God wants me to be a preacher. And my dad goes, son, that's terrific. You think he could call you during business hours? <laughs> I got to get up in two hours, son. Can we talk about it tomorrow? So I did. So I decided I'm going to do this. And the pastor of our church got me a, uh, a group of uh, deacons together and uh, very important men. And I was scheduled for a certain night to give a talk. I had four sermons that I had prepared. And y'all can't imagine this, about young people, about Brother Marlin. I can't tell you hello in 15 minutes <laughs> these days. But I had four sermons. I practiced them at home in front of the mirror, and they were 45 minutes each. And oh my goodness, which one am I going to use? I got up that night, looked at that crowd. My knees were shaking. My hands were sweating. I couldn't, my heart was pounding, and I preached all four of them in 10 minutes. <laughs> I guess they felt sorry for me, so they gave me a license. I have a license, had a license. I have a license, that, I got a license at that time that said, I'd been called by the Holy Spirit of God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool for a 12-year-old kid now. And so I need a gig. I, sorry. I need to be preaching somewhere. You older ones know what I mean by that. And they decided that I needed to be in rest homes. That was a terrible idea. That was horrible. The only preachers I'd ever been around was hellfire and brimstone. The one that convinced me I first wanted to be saved and know about this guy named Jesus. He was an ex-fireman. And buddy, when he preached on hell, he talked about stories a fireman had seen. And it scared me. And that's all I knew about preaching. That's the way those guys did. So I got in that old folks home, and we preached going to hell. We preached Lazarus and the rich man. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now they decided, in their wisdom, probably not a good fit. But we have a place for this kid. I'm 13 now. This 51 years ago now. That first one was 52. We've got a place that he will be appropriate. And I started preaching in a mission in South Dallas. Now let me tell you something, folks. The pleasures of sin. I couldn't drive. My dad would have to drive me to preach. And we would drive through the streets of South Dallas. And there would be drunks laying in their own vomit. Guys with blood all over. Remember what Jim read you? They've beaten me and I felt it not, but I'll seek it again. I've seen that. And then I would go to this mission and there would probably be 20 or 30 of these men there. And I would preach to them. I don't know if I made an impression on them, but they made one on me. I knew where I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be laying in that street that somebody had rolled me and beat the thunder out of me. 
Now, you may wonder, how is Marlon going to find some humor in this story? <laughs> oh, it's there. <laughs> After I got older, Jim, I realized what I did to them poor slobs. I was louder then than I am now. And they have what, young people, if you get where you've done too much alcohol, you get what is called a hangover. Google that. It's a killer. And I mean, even the slightest sound just goes through you. And these poor guys, half of them are holding their head in their hand, and they have to listen to me before they get breakfast. <laughs> That's cruel and unusual punishment, boys. I guarantee you that. Time rocked on. I got out of the mission and began to hold revivals and things like that. And then one day I visited a ball game, met a little girl from goes to church in Gunner, and she taught me the truth that I needed to expand my Bible knowledge a little. You know, when I found out that somebody, that Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, I couldn't wait to go tell the people I grew up with. I love those folks. I still love them. A lot of them are dead now, but I want you to know in their eyes, I'm Benedict Arnold. They didn't love me as much as I loved them. I went and told them the story. I told them the plan of salvation. I told them all the things that I'd learned. And I thought they would change immediately. You know what they did? They took my license away from me. So now I'm bootlegging the word. I'm not licensed, Jim. <laughs> the pleasures of sin. You know, some of them men that I met in that mission, they owned business and had wives and children and families, and they wore suits to church at one time like we do. What happened? The pleasures of sin. You don't know how many cool kids I knew. I was never one of the cool kids in, in, in school. I wasn't the other end either. I was one of them that was just kind of there. You know what I mean? If they thought about you, they'd invite you to something, but most of the time they didn't think about you. Just kind of a deal. And I knew a lot of them. And man, they were running around with the girls and they were drinking. Some of them would do some drugs. They played sports. Everybody loved them. You know, that's one thing when you're 18 years old and you do that. The girls look at them. They, lady, there's a song, Ladies Love Outlaws. And they love them outlaws. Now, I didn't do any of that stuff. What happens to them when they get to be 65 and they're still drunk like that and they're still doing drugs like that? You know what you call them? You know what? They're not cute to the girls no more. That passed a long time ago. There's a word for him. He's just another burnout old drunk. That's the pleasures of sin. Look at a beer commercial sometimes. It looks like somebody just stepped out of church. They didn't show you the guy in the South Dallas Mission that's rolling in his own vomit that somebody beat the thunder out of. How come they didn't show you that? Sin is deceitful. The thief has come but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. That's what the fool's world, that's what they're offering you. You can go do all that stuff you want to. You know, there's one thing that I never did find on the streets of South Dallas in that situation. You know what there was in those men's life? They weren't there to hear me. They didn't come to hear the gospel, whatever version I was preaching of it at the time. They come for a breakfast. The one thing they didn't have was hope. That was gone. That was long gone. That's the pleasures of sin. 
I've heard of people that chase money. And there's nothing wrong with having money. It's the love of money that causes people problems. And we need people that have money that's willing to use it for the Lord. But I've known of poor people that were chasing money. They had a family. Some of them went to church with us. And they hit the jackpot, baby. And in no time, they're out of the church, divorce the wife, and don't talk to the kids. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches is real. They want you to give that up. There's pleasure in sin for a moment. I heard of a comedian the other day. And I've debated whether to use this or not. What happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. You know what this lady comedian said? That's a lie. What happened in Las Vegas turned five this week. Think that one through. Think about that one. Now we got another one involved. And that's that baby. Sin's deceitful. Satan is lying to you. But you may believe that lie and give it up. You know what? If you do, you, you fall into this, I want the pleasures of sin. I want the deceitfulness of riches. I want to buy into the lie of the evil one. He was a liar from the beginning, according to Jesus. And you'd think after 4,000 years, we'd have figured that out by now. You know what he's going to tell you, young people? You're just another animal. That's what you are. You're just another animal. There is no difference in a human being and a dog. And in some states, you will go to jail faster for shooting an animal than you will for shooting a human. And that's a fact. We went to Alaska. Loved it up there. Pretty country. My dad was working up there, and Bev and I got to go up there for about a week. And a moose would just come walking down. And dad goes, better not shoot that thing. They will lock you up for the rest of your life. But there's no difference in a moose and a baby. You see, you're just another animal. Now we wonder why, we wonder why our young people do not act like human beings sometimes. We wonder why we have problems among the young. Well, why do you think we're going to have when you're telling them that? You know what the Bible says? You're made in the image of the living God, according to Genesis 1.28. You young people are images of your creator. You are a spiritual being. Fear not them which kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Whoa. A soul? You bet. But fear... Him which can destroy both soul and body in hell. You're made in the image of the living God. You know what? I got a dog years ago. I, I like messing with cow dogs. I, I like dogs better than horses, you know. Uh, for some reason, my horse never liked me and I couldn't stand him. And, but we both hated cows, so we got along good. But I got to getting these dogs. And I bought this dog. Well, I don't have a lot of money, so... Uh, this dog was kind of expensive, border collie, so the guy let me pay him half and then a month later pay him the next half. One day I forgot to pin my dog and the kids went out and got on the bus. You know this ain't going to end well. You know where I found my dog? Flat out on the highway, boy. Now let me ask you something. 
How come that dog went out there and tried to herd that school bus and got his head run over? Doesn't he know that school bus will kill him? Didn't he think this through? No, he's a dog. And he's going to herd. If you had chickens out there, he would herd the chickens. If you had sheep and goats, he would herd them. If you had kids on a school bus, he would herd it. And you know what happened. I made my final payment on a dead dog. Bev wrote in the memo, dead dog payment. <laughs> Do you know why that dog did that? That dog works on instinct. He doesn't reason right and wrong. He worked on instinct. God put that instinct in him. And all people try to do with these animals is take what God's already put in them and try to make it where it's under control. You reason right and wrong, young people. Why would you tell a lie? Why would you tell a lie? Because you know what you did was wrong. You want to cover your tracks. God gave you a conscience. And it bothers you when you do wrong. You are made in the image of the living God. Now, I used to say this. I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to drop saying this, but I've got an addition to it. In the fool's world, there is no difference in taking a hammer and killing a cockroach and taking that same hammer and killing a baby. Now, I used to say that because that was so far-fetched ridiculous, it would never happen in a million years. The New York State Assembly this year passed late-term abortion. And if the baby survives it, they will treat it humanely until it dies. And they stood and cheered when it passed and the governor signed it. The state of Virginia tried to pass the same thing. A late-term abortion, and when it, if it survives, we will treat it humanely and keep it comfortable until it's gone. We're not talking about in the womb. We're talking about outside living, breathing. Now, fortunately, that legislator, legislation, the Congress of the state, had the courage to say no, and they couldn't get it through. But one state's already done it, and you can bet it's coming. In their eyes, there's no difference in a baby and a cockroach. And I used to say that because it was an extreme example to get people to listen. It's happening right before your very eyes right now. Because see, there's no difference in you and a roach. Now, I read a book years ago, and I've always used this because I like it. Do you know why you are a higher animal, a higher life form than a dog or a cat? In your mind right now, I don't want you to answer out, but in your mind, just think of all the reasons that you are different from a dog or a cat or any other animal. You'll never get what the scientists came up with. Does this mean anything to you? You are a higher life form because you have an opposing thumb. And you can hold a club and they can't. That's it. Now I wonder what your tax, your tax dollars at work, baby. You got an opposing thumb. Isn't that great? And that's the only th reason you're bigger than better than the dog. I'm telling you something. You're not an animal. You are a human being made in the image of the living God with a soul 
and you know right from wrong and you have a conscience and you have a soul that God wants you to be responsible for. But if you want to throw it away and you want to live in a world where babies are born and we'll just let them die humanely, that's what they want you to walk away for, people. There's no real right or wrong in their world. Whatever you want to do, if it's right to you, you do it. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how crazy that is? Now they believe, the world believes in little g. You and I believe in big G. Big G is God, little g is government. And if the government says it's okay, it's okay. If that is true, I want you to think about this. Adolf Hitler during World War II in the 1930s and 40s, not that long ago, people, if you think about it, exterminated six million people. Killed them. Adolf Hitler was the highest authority in his land. And in the fool's world, he did nothing wrong. And everybody that went along with killing six million people, they didn't do anything right or wrong. It was just, they did whatever the government told them to do, and it was okay. But you know what? After the war ended, of course, Hitler killed himself, but they caught a few of them. There was a trial in a place called Nuremberg. And they put them men on trial, and they hung some of them for what they had done. Why? They didn't live under the laws of the United States. They didn't live under the law of England or France or Russia. Why'd they kill them? Every one of them put their hand on a Bible when they testified because there is a right and wrong. Thou shalt not kill. And every nation in the world went with that. And those people were put to death because they violated a higher law than government. I don't care if the government tells you it's right. Did you know that they did a study recently of college girls? And you know, I've always thought young ladies, I've always envisioned young ladies as being the kind that I grew up around that wanted a husband and a family and a nice little cottage and a white picket fence. And somebody going, get real. <laughs> but that's what you think about, don't you? And you think it's us guys that are out there trying to corrupt the girls. It's the way it's supposed to be. 73% of college girls said marriage is obsolete. 73% of college-age girls, women said that marriage is obsolete. Now God said that marriage is honorable, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers, adulterers, he'll judge. Just because 73% believe it and the government says it's okay, don't make it right, people. Is there real right and wrong? Jesus said, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now, I do love this story. True story. 
They were backwoods of Tennessee years and years ago, long before any of us were ever on the scene. They were having a court trial. Well, you know, when you testify at court, you, whether you used to, lay your hand on the Bible. But they didn't have a Bible. They were thinking they couldn't have court. And the judge came up with an idea. He said, is there a member of the Church of Christ here? And one fellow raised his hand and said, come up here. He said, y'all lay your hand on them. They're walking Bibles. I like that. That's a great testimony. Why are we walking Bibles? Because there is real right and wrong. And it is by that word we will be judged. And that's why, up until recently anyway, everybody laid their hand on a Bible. Because that's a higher authority. And we've all known our whole lives, you might get, if you've got enough money and power, you can get away with it at the local court. You can get away with it sometimes at the Supreme Court. But there's a court you ain't going to buy your way out of when you stand before that judge. But if you walk out, if you decide you want to go with the world, you're now the law of the jungle. If I'm bigger and badder than you, then I can do whatever I want to. And you can't do nothing about it. That's what they're offering you. You know what I used to do? I used to work jobs like 7-Eleven. I would be the night clerk. The reason I worked the night shift was because I would have my daytime, especially in the afternoon, to make my visits and do church work. And we would sometimes, and the 7-Elevens like that, some of those places, they gave us insurance and a, a small salary, so it helped out. I worked the night shift. Do you know what time of day I hated? 2 a.m. Now some of you are smiling. You know why I hate 2 a.m. That's when the bars close. And they're all hungry. And I got hot dogs. And I'm 24-7. And they're coming in there. You don't know how many fights I've been challenged to after the bars closed. You don't know how many fights I've watched. I picked the phone up and down the, the police. I didn't dial 911. I don't know. We had it way back then. But we had the, the police on speed dial. We picked that up and called the police because there's a brawl in the parking lot. I hate it 2 a.m. No right or wrong. That the world you want to live in? That's what they're offering. Just walk away from your God and you can have it tomorrow. There's no higher power. Why is that important? Why is God important to you? There's no higher power according to them. You remember I told you we're praying to the invisible man in the sky? There's nobody there to hear. That's what they want you to believe. So quit this foolishness. The Bible says... In everything, let your prayers and requests be known unto God, Philippians 4 and 8. Let your prayers and requests be made known unto God. Let me tell you something, folks. There's going to come a day in every human being's life, whether you are a Christian or whether you are of the world, it does not matter. There is coming a day, whether you are a child or you're a 150-year-old man. When they're going to come in, the doctors are going to come in and say, call the family. 
there's no hope. What are you going to do? Well, I'm so glad granddad is dying like this. At least he had time to get that sports car he always wanted. That's all there is. I mean, there ain't no afterlife. There ain't no hope of, of seeing him again. There's no hope of living eternally. That's gone. You walked away from that. My goodness, he got to go back to the old plant where he worked at and make a tour of it just before he died. Wasn't that great, granddad? He died happy. What else is there? You know what most of us are going to do? Do you know what most people are going to do, whether they're Christians or not? They're going to hit their knees. God help us. Or they're going to look to a preacher. I've noticed this over my short time on this earth. That ought to be funny for you, looking at him. But I've noticed this. When people are dying, they don't call a bartender. They call a preacher. Why is that, people? Why is that? Because you're made in the image of the living God, and we all know it. What do you do when there's no one to turn to because there is no help? I was coming out of Louisiana. I'm not from Texas. That's maybe a shocker to you, too. But I got here as quick as I could. So we're coming out of Louisiana. Mom and I are in, the, in one car, and, and we're pulling a trailer. And our, we've got a station wagon. Dad's in the truck ahead of us, pickup, with my little brother. And he's got a U-Haul trailer with a two-wheel jobber. And we're headed to Texas from Kenner, Louisiana, just north of New Orleans. And so we're headed to Texas. We're going to come to a little place called Plano, North Texas. And we're going down. And on one side, there's a kind of a ravine over here. And the other side is the bayou. And that trailer went to walking. I mean, it was swinging, and pretty soon it was swinging that truck at a 90. And mom knew he's either going off the ravine or he's going in the bayou with her baby. And out of nowhere, I heard this, God help him. And that trailer straightened up. Now dad got out the next truck stop and goes, pretty good piece of driving. <laughs> no, mom had a friend. There was no help. There was nothing you could do but sit there and watch somebody you love die. Now, maybe it's the law of nature. I don't know. You make out of that whatever you want to do. But why did she say that prayer? Because there's no one else to turn to. But you don't have that. In your deepest and darkest hour, and you've been talked to about that. Don't bother praying. There's nobody listening. You own your own, cowboy. That won't, that's what they want to give you. So you walk away from the Lord and the church. You know, there's no real consequences to your actions. Do whatever you want to. I mean, if, you, if it kills you, it kills you. Do you know how most college accidents happen? I'm not making this up. This is commonly told. Do you know how most of them happen? Hold my beer and watch this. If you get killed, you just get killed. There's no consequences. There's no right and wrong. There's no higher power. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say we're all going to stand before God and give account of the things we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. The scriptures say 
that who was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Folks, there's consequences. There's consequences of action. Did a Bible study years ago with a fellow in Pearland. He's gone now. Cancer got him. He was part, he, he'd been part of the church when he was y'all's age and he got out and he had some boys that were about 15, 16, 17 years old in that range. And he come down with that cancer. And he called me in and he'd been back in the church about a year and all that stuff. And he called me back in and he said, Marlon, I'm, I, he's crying. I'm scared. I said, you're scared of dying? Is that what we're talking about? Because he's terminal. That, that's one of them deals. The doctor said, we can't do nothing. He said, that's not what I'm scared about. And he opened the Houston Chronicle and he handed me the religious page. And it showed a father and son walking through hell and the boy looking at him going, why didn't you tell me about this place? And he grabbed me by the collar and pulled me close. He said, save my boys. I'm going to tell you all something. I tried. I tried hard. I never got them. I don't know what happened to them. They grew up, moved off, never saw them again. But when they were still in high school, I would go over all the time. Let's sit down and study the Bible. Let's talk. I remembered, I will try. But I didn't get them. No consequences. All those years. He, he came back and he was saved in the 11th hour. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that. But he didn't bring them boys with him. Folks, there's consequences to the action. Do not confuse something. And you've been taught that in the morning sessions. There is forgiveness. But there's a difference in forgiveness and consequences. You go out there and get tanked up and kill somebody on the highway. You ain't bringing them back. And you, may, you can be forgiven for that. Paul killed Christians. Put them in prison. But I want you to know Paul could be forgiven for that. But he didn't bring one of them back. They're still dead. There was a religious show come out about the Apostle Paul. Maybe some of you have seen it. And before he became a Christian, they come into the area where Ananias was and they were beating people up and killing them. And there's a little girl, probably eight, nine years old, something like that, ten. And she's on her knees praying. Didn't even look at him. He took a bat and killed her. At the end of the movie, they want you to feel good, I suppose. And Paul was beheaded for the cause of Christ in Rome. And the first person waiting on him was that little girl. There was a little girl. You know, that, that had to haunt that man his whole life. When he said, I'm a debtor, I wonder if he was talking about just Christ. Or if he lived his whole life. You know, how many times did Paul talk about his past life and what he had done? Now, let me tell you something, folks, about forgiveness. And we've been preaching about forgiveness and a new life all week. But let me tell you something. God can forgive you. Paul knew God forgave him. Jesus can forgive you. Paul knew Jesus forgave you. You know who the hardest person for me to forgive is? Myself. 
because you lay down, you close your eyes at night and you can still see what you've done wrong just like a movie playing right before your eyes. Paul had to learn to forgive himself. He'd killed Christians. He'd killed that little girl or one like her. That's very real. And he didn't bring her back. There were people that went to church with Paul that he'd killed their friends and family. That's very real. There are consequences to your actions, folks. Now, in the fool's world, it's going to be a world of violence. It's going to be a world of chaos. Sin is the order of the day. And whoever's the biggest dog makes the rules. The thieves come to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will do that. And he'll do it through the deceitfulness of sin. Don't fall for that lie. Now, after I got to thinking about all this, and what I've seen over the years, I could have all this tomorrow. And you know what I got to thinking? Thanks, but no thanks. I think I'll just stay right where I'm at. And I will hold on to the hope of salvation that's found only here in the blood of Jesus Christ. But you get to pick which one you want to do. I know what I want to do. What do you want to do as we stand and sing?